Good morning, Harbor City Church, Grace Harbor, and those of you who are watching uh, throughout the nation and maybe even the world. I just want to take a couple of minutes to say thank you for your generous giving over the last number of weeks. I think this is our fifth week, and I know it's very tough for some of you, and yet your generosity uh, has come through. It's blessed many families on the harbor uh, in many different ways. We've been able to give to missions abroad, but we also have been able to touch local families with electric bills, food, and those kind of things. And we've also been able to keep our staff intact as well. So we want you to know we are so grateful and we're hoping to improve some of our equipment to be a little better online. Our online giving has also picked up a little bit. Uh, When we started this epidemic, we were uh, about 55% of our giving came in online and that's increased to about 60%. So we want you to know we're grateful for that. Thank you for trusting the process and uh, just want you to know you're amazing givers. Okay, let's jump into the word this morning. We're starting a new series called uh, The Devil's Worst Nightmare. In a moment, we'll be reading from several uh, passages of scripture beginning in Revelations chapter one and we'll also be flipping over in that same book to Revelations five and Revelations eight. But first, let's lift up our Bibles, smartphones, iPads, whatever you have your Bible on, and let's make our prayer declaration together. Say this with me. Lift them up in your homes, just like if you were here. This is my Bible, God's holy word. This book is alive and is powerful. I read other books, but this is the only book that reads me. There are many opinions, but this is the only opinion that counts. Today, I declare... By faith, I can do all it says I can do. I can be all it says I can be. And I can have all it says I can have. Today, I ask the Lord Jesus, the living word, to take his written word and personalize it for my life so I can stay here at home and whatever else I need to do and be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Let's talk about the devil's worst nightmare. Have you ever had a nightmare? I've had a few in my lifetime, and usually it's after I've watched something that I probably shouldn't have watched, but where some killer's chasing a person, and uh, you're just on the edge of your seat, your adrenaline's going, and you're hoping and praying uh, they don't get killed. And then right after that, I would go to bed, and uh, then somehow during my night, it seemed like it was the whole night, I'm being chased by a devil or a demon, and I can never see their face, but I'm being chased, and I come to the edge of this cliff, and the only way I'm going to be saved is if I jump off this cliff that seems so far down, I'm going to get killed anyway, and just as I turn around to see where they're at, I can never see their face, but they're close to me, and I jump, and all of a sudden I jerk, and I wake up, and I feel my face and my arms, and I say, Thank God that wasn't real. Now, you need to know the devil has dreams too. He's dreamed since the beginning uh, in the garden with Adam and Eve of taking them and all their offspring, uh, which includes taking them to hell and, and includes us to taking us to hell with him. It tells us in Genesis 3.1, the serpent was more crafty than any of the other animals that God had made. And in John 8, Jesus tells us, that he works through deception, and that he's the father of lies. In other words, if the devil's lips are moving, he's lying. He's a master deceiver. 
So before Easter, he thought his plan was working. He thought he had killed Jesus, and that was the end of him. So here's the first point you can write down today. The devil's worst nightmare is, number one, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It wasn't like the devil woke up from a nightmare and went, no, no, he woke up from a nightmare and it really happened. It was now his and his demon cronies uh, new reality. Revelations 1.18 tells us this. Uh, Jesus is telling Joan on the island of Patmos these words. I am he who lives and was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. So when Jesus rose from the dead, he walked into hell, hell, stripped Satan of his power and authority, took back the keys uh, to death and hell, and he gave them to his kids, which is us, the church. Colossians 2.15 says this about Jesus. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, Satan and all his demons were humiliated when Jesus raised from the dead. See, Satan hates losing power. He hates losing control. But Jesus stripped him of both of those and stripped him of all his authority. Jesus' resurrection was Satan's worst nightmare. Now the disciples, on the other hand, and many other believers, are full of fear. They are thinking, if they kill Jesus, then I'm next. And so, uh, they, and by the way, I would be thinking the same thing. So let me just say this. Fear is one of the serpent's greatest weapons and one of the ways he maintains control over many Christians' lives is that he tries to rob us of our purpose and our destiny through fear. So I want to give you some manifestations of fear that maybe you've been experiencing through this uh, situation that we're all going through. Number one, fear can cause us to be skeptical. Second Timothy 1.7 says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. When we give into fear, it can cause us to lose our, our ability to, to rationalize uh, normal. It makes us skeptical and it causes us to doubt and ask dumb questions. We, we start to live in the what uh, in, to, in the land of what if and uh, we start thinking what if we're next what if uh, ask this question is this it what if says I thought Jesus was the Messiah the miracle worker and and if he's, maybe he's not who he said he was fear causes you to lose a sound mind and start believing lies it can cause you to forget what Jesus told you about your life and about your future. And I mean, Jesus told the disciples several times, I'm going to raise from the dead on the third day. But when fear takes over, we forget the truth and we forget what Jesus said about yours and my life. What if can keep you from doing things that God called you to do? And what if can cause you to do things that you shouldn't have done? What if will keep you awake at night and wear you down? Again, let me remind us that serpents are a representation of what Satan is in our lives and that what our enemy is like. Here's the second thing. Fear can cause us to panic. Now, uh, I, I uh, brought a sack this morning <clears throat> that I will uh, t- 
tell you a little story about because uh, snakes, we need to remember, are harmless. And yet many of us have a built-in fear of snakes. I mean, there's just something about them that just doesn't make us feel comfortable. I remember when Pinky and I were about six and seven years old, we, we loved catch, uh, catching garter snakes. We lived in Central Park, and, and our yard was full of, of those kind of snakes in Central Park. In fact, it was on an Easter Sunday. We had just arrived home from, from church, and everyone was dressed up in their Easter best clothes. We had nothing to do while dinner was being prepared, so we decided to go snake hunting. That was when we found the largest garter snake we had ever seen. This thing was huge. So we decided to put it in a paper sack. And uh, it was smaller than this, but, but you get the idea. And we decided we would give it to, my, to our grandma Cotton as a special gift for Easter when they arrived over for dinner. Easter was the time when my aunts and uncles would go to church every year. And it wasn't very long when they drove into the driveway and they, they got out of the car and immediately uh, we went up to our grandma and said, Grandma, we have a special gift for you. She was delighted and she said, Oh, you boys are so sweet. Thank you for loving your grandma so much. I'm so glad I'm your favorite grandma. To which we said, Oh, you are grandma. And Pinky had this sack. I think it was Pinky. I'm sure it was Pinky. Had the sack behind his back and hands it, takes it out and hands it to our grandma. And our grandpa was standing right uh, beside her. She opens it up and lo and behold, there wasn't just one snake in there, but there were not two snakes. I, don't, I couldn't find any more. There were 10 little snakes running around in there. And uh, we had no idea, but our grandma had a horrible fear of snakes. She started screaming. She started hyperventilating. And then to top it all off, she peed her pants right there on the spot. Our grandpa was very upset with Pinky and I. And so he started to chase after us. In fact, he said words that we had never heard on Easter before. And as he tried to chase after us, we were still fast enough to get away from our grandfather because he was probably about my age and uh, wasn't as agile as he used to be. So uh, what happened, uh, we didn't have to face our, uh, our grandparents because my grandfather had to take my grandmother home to uh, take a bath and change. So they didn't make it for dinner that day. My dad was tried to be upset, but he actually kind of thought it was funny. But my mom, she loved it. And she said, this is the best Easter dinner we've ever had. Now, uh, I probably shouldn't have told you that, but I did. So fear is a very real thing. It can cause you and I to lose our composure. It can cause us to panic and run and hide and give control to our enemy. Here's the third thing. Fear can cause us to become short-sighted. When we give in to fear, it can cause us to think about the here and now and not see what might be ahead. Fear causes us uh, to, uh, to give up and it can cause us to not look at what the future holds. In fact, it can cause us to become self-centered instead of others-centered. That was what was happening to the disciples. So here's a question for every one of us to look at today. Where are you short-sighted in your life because of fear? 
It caused the disciples to be short-sighted as they hid in that house after the crucifixion. They panicked, they became skeptical, and they lost sight of the big picture. They forgot that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let me remind you again, our adversary, the devil, is a serpent. And I, I realize snakes are just an illustration of what Satan is like, but there's nothing attractive about anything or anyone that slithers or twists the truth. Anything that slithers gives me the willies now that I'm older. The way a serpent moves is a picture of what uh, he does with the truth. He twists it to look like truth, but really it's a lie. It is deception. Now, there's another thing you should know about serpents. They are cold-blooded. People are warm-blooded, and because of that, we have an endurance from a factor our enemy doesn't have. You can outlast your enemy, especially with the Holy Spirit in your life. Snakes, because they are cold-blooded, they're limited on their activity and even uh, their ability to move about very much, so they cannot endure for very long before they have to rest. And I believe that's one of the reasons why Satan had to wait for an opportune time to try and trap Jesus. He couldn't keep up with the power of the Holy Spirit in and on his life. Now, the good news is this. Jesus doesn't forget about the disciples as they are hiding in fear with the doors locked. I hope you know this this morning. Jesus hasn't forgotten about you. If you're hiding in your house with the doors locked, and John 20, verses 19 and 20, it tells us, he walks right through the walls of the house and suddenly he's standing right there among them. He then shows them his wounds, his hands, his feet, and his side, and they are filled with joy because their king is alive. He has risen from the dead, and he dispels all their fears. I don't know about you, but that's great news. Now, if I was gripped by fear, the one thing that would cause my faith to soar is seeing uh, the the Jesus I've been walking with for three and a half years uh, just come through uh, the walls of my house. He'd been crucified, been in a tomb. Now he's risen from the dead. And I want you to know that would cause my fear to evaporate and faith would rise up in my heart. And that is exactly what happened to the disciples. Aren't you glad that no matter what fear has gripped you, whether it's panic, skepticism, or short-sightedness, or something else this morning, Jesus doesn't leave you there. He wants to walk right through the walls that you have put up in your life and show up in your life to let you know everything is going to be okay and get you back on track towards your purpose and your destiny. But here's the deal. Satan's worst nightmare didn't stop with Jesus' resurrection. In fact, here's the second point you can write down about Satan's worst nightmare. It's this. God has deposited his power in us as believers, as the church, as a praying church. These believers became so full of faith, now they began to believe, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. They began to believe that Jesus in them could cause them to become Satan's worst nightmare. In fact, they believed if they did what Jesus told them to do, they could turn their world upside down. In fact, Jesus told them this in Luke 24, 49. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry, the word tarry there means to sit down and settle in. in uh, so, but tarry in Jerusalem 
until you are endued with power from on high. So there, this group of guys, now it would be hard for me to just sit. And I am having a hard time in the, over the last five weeks where I'm just between the church and my house. But this group of 120 people prayed for 10 days until the Holy Spirit came on their lives. They sat down, they settled in, they believed what Jesus said, and they learned endurance in prayer. And you and I need to know, praying Christians and praying churches that don't give up in prayer are Satan's worst nightmare. And these days, uh, you need to know, Luke 18.1, Jesus told the disciples this. He said, uh, I told them a story uh, so they would learn to pray and not give up. See, you need to know, since your enemy is cold-blooded, he can't endure, you can't because you're warm-blooded. Your prayers are outlasting the enemy. Since COVID-19 hit, we have been held up for the most part in our homes, practicing social distancing, and hopefully, as Christians, as believers, you and I are practicing prayer more than ever before. But I'm here to tell you today, pray and keep praying. In fact, you need to know, worldwide, there's more prayer going on in the church than ever before. Look at this comic that uh, someone sent me earlier this week. It says this. Satan's talking to Jesus and he says, with COVID-19, I closed your churches. And Jesus looks at him and says, on the contrary, I just opened one in every home. You need to know this morning, as believers, the church is Satan's worst nightmare. And here's one of the reasons why, Acts 1.8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus tells his church to pray and to wait and seek God, endure. And he tells them to pray until the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And he's building this endurance in their lives to learn to pray, not stop praying, not quit praying. Pray through until what God promised comes to pass. Now, they, they, so they're learning to pray and they're building their faith up and they're learning to outlast their enemy. In fact, they're so full of the Holy Spirit as the fire of God comes down upon them after they're filled with the Spirit, after uh, that meeting, they go out, 2,000 people are saved immediately as Peter preaches. And then again, just another uh, short time later, 5,000 people give their lives to the Lord. Jerusalem is being turned upside down. Satan is losing control and he's losing territory. Look at this verse. This is an amazing verse. A couple of verses actually. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. It says this, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, It's amazing how the Holy Spirit structured this verse grammatically. See, the Holy Spirit could have left out those three adverbs, exceedingly, abundantly, and above, and the verse would have read the same or meant the same. It would have said, now to him who is able to do all that we ask or think. But apparently, the Holy Spirit... uh, uh, didn't think that described the power of God in us adequately. So above all wasn't good enough. So he put the words abundantly above all. 
uh, that we ask or think. And then he thought to himself, that's still not adequate. So he wrote it this way. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So here's a question. If that's the case, and we are the devil's worst nightmare, why isn't it working? Why doesn't it work in my life, in my marriage, in my church, and in my family? It's because the last sentence tells us why. The last sentence says this, according to the power that works in us. Or another way to say it is this, the power that resides in us. See, this, this word according in the Greek is the actual word kata, and it, it actually means measurement. It can mean to measure out, and it can mean distribution. So what Jesus is telling his church that, that he's sent to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to come, he's saying, empty yourselves out of who you are, of your, your self-centered flesh, so I can fill you completely with my Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit begins to take over uh, their lives uh, and our lives individually and the church corporately in a region, we become Satan's worst nightmare. So spending time in prayer and being filled with the Holy Spirit's power causes verse 21 to be fulfilled. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. And the church becomes Satan's greatest or worst nightmare for generations to come. And that's exactly uh, what happens with the church in the book of Acts. Boldness comes upon the church and then miracles begin to happen. In Acts 3, we see a lame man healed, uh, a beggar that's uh, begging for coin. Peter and John uh, see him get healed and raised up and the the whole city begins to take notice. And then we see uh, people thrown into prison and then we see more prayer begin to take place and that's what you see. Uh, There's opposition, but there's more prayer. Opposition and more prayer. Then they begin to share their, their possessions and then it gets so full of the deposit of the Holy Spirit Peter does in his life that he begins to walk down the street and they put Uh, people on cots and people laying on their coats that are sick and his shadow as it goes by them heals them. Uh, Well, he doesn't heal them, but the power of the Holy Spirit heals them. So uh, things begin to happen. Now, here's another thing that happens to become uh, Satan's worst nightmare. God adds his fire or power to our prayers. Now, this is an amazing truth and why a praising church becomes Satan's greatest nightmare. Look at this verse in Revelation 5, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So we become distributors of God's power to our families, to our marriages. We become distributors uh, to uh, where we work and all those kind of things. So here's a question. Is it possible that God has already done his part and deposited his power in us and now we have the privilege of measuring it out or distributing it to others and uh, situations that we face. Now, let me say it another way, and this may shock some of you, but you, you need to hear this. Could it be that God's unlimited power is limited in our prayers? 
God has all power, but his unlimited power is limited in my life by my prayer life. See, the more filled I am with the Holy Spirit and his power, the more I have to measure out and distribute uh, to my marriage and my family, my church, my community, and any situation that needs his power. Now, according to this verse, what containers store our prayers? They're bowls of incense, full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So look at uh, these verses in Revelations 8, verses 1 through 5. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw seven, the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given uh, seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth and there were noises, thunderings, lightning and an earthquake. Now, here's what God's trying to tell us here. There are bowls, these bowls, and they get full of prayers and that incense goes up to the throne of God and there's an angel whose job is to add fire from the altar. In other words, God's fire gets added to our prayers and then he throws them back down to the earth. In other words, your prayer with God's fire affects the whole earth. This is the same fire that Elijah called down on Mount Carmel. This is the same fire that stood between Israel and Egypt. This is the same fire that fell on the 120 as they prayed and waited for the Holy Spirit to come and it landed upon their heads and it showed up on the day of Pentecost. It's the fire and power of God that gets added to our prayers uh, as saints and they fill up the bowls in heaven as we pray. So here's a question. How uh, full are the bowls of prayer in your life? The, the one for your marriage, the one for your family, the one for your church, the one for your community, the one for, for your job and the ones that you work with, the one that covers the weak areas of your life. If we could see the bowls in heaven today or over the last, just say over the last four or five weeks that represent our prayers, how full would that bowl be? Because when they get full, there's an angel assigned to add God's fire to yours and my prayers and throw them back to the earth and then it changes what's happening here and now. I grew up with a lady who prayed for 48 years for her husband to come to Jesus. She never gave up. She, she persevered. She learned to pray through. And before he passed away, she led him to the Lord. That same lady, her name was Mrs. Emmerd, prayed for me all the way through junior high and high school. We held hands at the front of a church one day and made a prayer commitment that we would pray for each other every day. She did much better than me. Over those next six years, she prayed for me every day. And I believe it was her prayers and my mom's prayers that uh, it's the main reason why I'm in the ministry today. Our family prayed for my grandpa for 40 years, the one who tried to chase my brother and I over the snakes. We prayed for him for 40 years, and just a couple weeks before he passed away, I had the privilege of leading my grandfather 
to the Lord. I want you to know this morning, prayer works and a praying church and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is Satan's greatest nightmare. All right, would you take a moment now? We're just gonna close here this morning, but would you take a moment with me? uh, Close your eyes and bow your head. And let me just ask this question. What area of your life do you need God's power released in you today? Maybe this coronavirus has has done a number on your finances and you're fearful for the future. You need to know he's the God who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think and it's according to that power that's working in your life. If you write out your request today, I just want you to know, go to the prayer tab on our website and we will pray for you not only today but also throughout the week. We as a staff will continue to pray and there are prayer warriors that will pray for you. I just want to take a moment and uh, maybe this morning uh, you're like the disciples that were bound with fear after the crucifixion and you need to know uh, that Jesus will show up. You need to know that Jesus will show up and walk through the walls of your life this morning. You need to know it's time to surrender it all to him. The Holy Spirit's been drawing you and you've been listening to this word as you've been part of worship this morning but you maybe, uh, maybe you knew the Lord at one time and you've drifted away and you know it's time to recommit your life to Christ. Whatever it is in your life, I just want you to know, if that's you, would you say this prayer with me this morning by faith? The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Now, so if that's you and the Holy Spirit's talking to you, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Just repeat after me. Father God, Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die in my place. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins, my mistakes, my failures, and come into my life and be my savior, my Lord, my boss, and my king. And by your grace and by your power, I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I w- if I could, I, I'd put my arms around you and just hug you right now, but I can't. I'd even give you a high five, but I can't. But just so you know, there's a party going on in heaven right now just for you. The angels of God are rejoicing over just one sinner that comes home to Jesus Christ. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.